Our scripture reading this morning comes uh, from Psalm 85, verses 1 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people, and you covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath, and you turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God, of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, again, good morning and welcome to the Olathe Campus of Christ Community. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, why don't we pray together and then we'll uh, look at this beautiful psalm together. God, I'm so thankful that you have brought us to this place this morning. And God, I'm so thankful that, um, yeah, just looking back at what all that went into that, not just our getting up out of bed and arriving here this morning, um, but the 10 years that we have been able to worship you week in and week out in this space. God, for those of us who, who are new, God, thank you that they are, are stepping into a history. And for those who have been here from the beginning, God, I, I'm so thankful that we have been able to continue um, to seek you, to follow you. And God, that we've had the joy of, of seeing um, what you can do uh, through your people. God, we pray that you would be glorified in all these things, that you would continue to build your church and uh, that you would do what you want with her. God, I, I pray that as well, as we uh, look at this psalm this morning, God, I pray that you would speak peace to our souls. God, we need it. We are restless. Um, around us and within us is so much chaos. God, help us to have ears to hear your peace. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I did it. It was not fun, uh, but I, I survived. Um, I actually just made it eight consecutive days without my best friend, my, my cell phone. Uh, not on purpose. I'm not, you know, one of those. Uh, of course, I like, it broke and warranty issues and back order, yada, yada, yada. Eight, eight days. Like, when's the last time you've gone that long? Are you serious? Like, think about that. It's probably been a while. Am I right? Let, let, me, let me tell you the, the hardest part for me. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't the lack of connectedness or, you know, wanting to make a phone call. Please, right? Who, who do I want to talk to? You kidding me? Uh, no, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't the lack of, of productivity. Like I couldn't get work done all of a sudden or, or, or even, even, you know, the risk of getting lost without GPS or whatever sort of things we sort of have built into this to, you know, make life work. It wasn't those either. The hardest part for me it, it was those, those fleeting moments 
occasionally even whole minutes when I just had to sit there. Like that was it. Like, you know, we're watching something on TV and Kelly would get up and I'd pause it and be like, what am I, what do I do? You know, standing, standing at the grocery line, you know, I'm like, ah, you know, or any, any, waiting for the kids or, or, you know, killing time before a meeting would start. All, you know, these little moments, that was the hardest for me because I had to be alone with me. Um, I, it is scary. Yeah. Somebody said, you know, was that directed toward me, Miranda? Or you just knowing in general, we're going to talk in general here. That's, I'm going to, I'm going to believe that. Um, but I'm not, like, I had to, like, daydream and, like, think, like, reflect on whatever it was around me just to, like, like be bored for a second. And people, I'm not proud of this, but I had to feel my, uh, you know, what are those things called again, right? I had to feel my feelings. I mean, it reminds me of uh, something Louis C.K. said on Conan uh, a couple years back on why he doesn't want his kids to have a cell phone. Uh, take a look. The thing is, I, you need to build an ability to just be yourself and not be doing something. That's what the phones yes. are taking away, yes. is the ability to just sit there like this. That's being a person, right? Yes. No one can, they've got to, uh, you got to check. Because, there, you know, underneath everything in your life, there's that thing, that empty, forever empty. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that, yes. Yes. Yes, I, yes. Yes, Just I know that, what you're that talking about. knowledge that it's all for nothing and you're alone. You know, it's down there. And sometimes when things clear away, you're not watching it, you're in your car and you start going, oh no, here it comes that I'm alone. Like it starts to visit on you. You know, just the sadness. Yes. Life is tremendously sad just by, you know, being in it. And so you're driving and then you go, uh, that's why we text and drive. I look around, pretty much 100% of people driving are texting. Yes. And they're killing, everybody's murdering each other with their cars. Yes. But people are willing to risk taking a life and ruining their own because they don't want to be alone for a second. Mm. It's hazing, isn't it? And honestly, it's a, it's a much longer segment. You can, you can YouTube it. Make sure your kids aren't, aren't uh, around, if you're familiar with Louis C.K. at all. Uh, but he, 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 ends, he ends by saying, I mean, this segment to Conan, he's, he says, anymore, you never feel completely happy or completely sad. You just feel kind of satisfied with your products, and then you die. And he's a comedian, okay? Right? But I mean, think, think about this. Like, seriously, for the first time in human history, you never have to be alone. Ever, ever, ever. You never have to be bored. You never, you never have to just like sit there and do nothing, right? Like that's never happened before. You and I, we are addicted to distraction when what we long for is peace. We think, we think the distraction will, will bring us to a place of peace, but, but they're, not, they're not the same thing. We are addicted to distraction, but we're longing for peace. Now, now when I say peace here, I don't, I don't mean the, uh, the cheesy, cliched, over-Christmasized version of peace, okay? Uh, we're obsessed with talking about peace in December. It's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? It's the most peaceless month of the entire year, right? And yet it's going to end up on like 90% of our Christmas cards, isn't it? And we, we talk about it. It's not, it doesn't happen this month. Oh, and I'm not, even, I'm not even just talking about like world peace or the cessation of conflict, though it certainly includes that. 
When the Bible talks about peace, it's so much more. In fact, in the Old Testament, it's the the Hebrew word shalom, which really just means the world as it ought to be. Everything, inside and outside, wholeness and, and rest, satisfaction and contentment. Does that describe anybody here? I mean, if I could just find a way to wrap that sucker up and put it under the tree, and we think we can, right? Maybe the next gift will do it. Maybe the next holiday party or, or meal or drink. Or, or, maybe, or maybe you think a little bit longer out, right? Maybe, maybe when the kids get a little bit older, then there'll be peace. Maybe, maybe after the season is up, whatever this season is, right? Maybe when life calms down eventually, which you know is never going to happen, right? But we think, or maybe like this is the next promotion, or, or, I mean, the one after that, or, you know, let's just make it to retirement. Better yet, let's just distract ourselves until we die, right? We long for peace, every one of us. And we'll do anything to achieve it. But what we're going to see in this ancient song this morning, and really, if there's only one thing you take with from our time together this morning, I hope it's this. Only God can speak peace to our troubled souls. That's it. Only God can speak peace to the junk that's going on in here. This this Advent season, we're studying the Psalms together. These ancient songs, ancient, ancient songs. We're in Psalm 85 today. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to to turn there with us. Uh, But we're trying this this Advent season to get a a better group of songs stuck into our head, right? And, and these, these are the songs that Jesus, like, literally grew up singing. Isn't that amazing? Like, Psalm 85, the one Reed just read, the thing that we're going to study, like, Jesus, like, that was part of his family's tradition. They sang these songs. For 3,000 years, God's people have turned to the Psalms. How many tears have been shed on these pages? I mean, if, if, you've, read, if you've read them, you, you know, probably, probably a lot. How many fears, how many doubts and disasters, how much anger and animosity and shame have have been laid to rest here? Not just distraction, it's peace we're after. And if it's true, if, if it's true that only God can speak peace to our troubled souls, then as we look at this psalm this morning, first, there, there are two things we have to admit before we can even hear it. There are two, two things that we have to acknowledge if you want to hear God speaking peace to you, first, first thing you have to admit is that the most chaotic place on the planet is inside us. Like that's where it is. That, that's the, it's not around you. It's not that person or those people. Uh, it, it's not your, your coworker or your job. It's not, it's not your family or your marriage or your lack thereof. It's not your income or lack. It's not, it's not your health. It's none of those things. The most chaotic place on the planet is inside us. And so whatever like you picture as the worst place ever, like war-torn villages or the mess that politics has become, I mean, you can put any place of chaos or violence or destruction, whatever you can imagine, it's worse. It's worse in here. The song begins in verse one. The psalmist writes, Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. 
And he's about to ask God to, to do those things again. This, this is what the psalmist is longing for. And yes, there's definitely a circumstantial component to it, right? He says, restore our land, our fortunes, right? There's, there's a problem in his life that he's asking God to fix. But that's not the emphasis. It's, it's not outside, right? It's, it's inside. Look how it can, I mean, you forgave the iniquity. You covered their sin. You withdrew your wrath. You turned your anger. The psalmist knows that the end of shalom, of peace, it's not when things don't go our way. That's what we think, isn't it? Like, if I can just get all the, the, the ducks to line up, then it'll be fine. That's not, that's not what it is. The end of shalom was when we rebelled against God. First in the garden and every day since, we, we reject him. Like, we refuse his peace, and then we wonder where it is, right? And this chaos that's going on in here, I will do anything to avoid thinking about it, right? That's why we don't like to be alone, that's why silence kills us. I mean, think, think of it this way. Like we, think, think of all the places where we look for peace, right? Where you personally look for it, right? We look in pleasure, don't we? I mean, that's one of the first places we run. If I can just be satisfied by something, but we're never satisfied for long. I mean, it's, it's sort of like after Thanksgiving dinner and you, you swear you're never going to eat again, right? But like an hour later, I'm hunting for pie, right? I mean, you know, what I'm they, they never satisfy long enough. Or we look for it in our accomplishments, if I can just do this, or I can just have my kids like this, or I can just get this promotion, or, or this income, or, or whatever, then it'll be okay. But there's always a voice shouting, isn't there? It's never going to be quite enough. There's always something more. You can always achieve better. We look for it in our circumstances. If I can just get everything just fine, right? We scheme and we strive to try to, to control ourselves and our lives and the people around us. If I can just do that, or, or, we, or we think of it in our families, right? And we see it like evaporating before our very eyes. I mean, for me, the place I go often, I mean, I just, I'm always planning my next vacation. It's just who I am, and, and to a fault, truthfully. Uh, like, I, I know the next one, and I've, I've got an idea of the next one, and the next one, and the next one after that. I mean, I just, I love doing that. And, and um, over Thanksgiving, my, my wife's parents were in town, and we celebrated Christmas early, and they got me a, a road map. Um, I still like, even with GPS, I still like, like a map, right? Even if I have no place to go. And I was literally sitting in the house, browsing the map, okay, which just... Yeah, I'm weird. Um, I know. And I said to Kelly, only half joking, I think I love maps so much because I always want to be someplace else. I'm always looking for whatever, wherever I, like even on vacation, I'm planning the next one, right? I don't, I don't want to think about the mess that's in here. But listen, if we, if we don't deal with it, I mean, even if God fixed whatever it is outside of me that I think is the problem, I would still be stuck with me. Another example, Kelly and I saw the movie a few weeks ago, um, Doctor Strange. I don't know if you've seen this. I'll try not to do any spoilers. No promises. Um, but, but essentially, like, it's this, this really, really powerful, successful, talented, this guy's got everything. This is all right in the first few minutes. Uh, but he's obsessively arrogant. Like, man, he is self-absorbed. And, and everything, everything is uh, taken away from him. He's in a car accident and all, like he loses all of his physical ability, his accomplishments, all of that. And he goes on this quest to like get it back and, you know, becomes a superhero in the mix, whatever. Um, it's not important. Uh, but, but, but it's clear like throughout the whole plot that his biggest problem is not his broken body. Like you can't watch it and not see it. His biggest problem is his self-absorption. 
It's his, it's his individualism, his alienation. His sin is what's destroying him. Yes, there is disorder outside us. Of course there is. And I don't want to minimize that. Just don't think for a moment, if God were to fix that, all of a sudden your life would be at peace. That if he would just do X, Y, and Z, then, then I'd have rest. It doesn't work that way. First, he has to fix you. Only, only God can speak peace to our troubled souls. And if you, if you want to hear it, you have to, you have to admit, I am my greatest problem. Like in my marriage, in my family, in my work, I am my biggest problem. In fact, I heard it said recently um, that if you were to look back at all of, your, all of your mistakes, like your whole life, every regret, every shame, every disappointment, everything you've done wrong, there's only one common denominator that'd be true in all of them. You, right? Ugh, right? Ah, maybe I'll just, you know, go back to this. Yeah, distract myself again. We don't like thinking about that, which leads, leads to the second confession. If my biggest problem is me, that means the solution cannot come from me, right? That what we're looking for is, is outside us, not within us. So maybe, maybe you're with me here and you can see, yeah, okay, the problem, if I'm honest, is me, right? The common denominator of my mistakes is myself. And maybe you can see that. But then the, the next thing we tend to do as humans is like we try to think how, this, how I can be the solution, right? I, well, I just, I got I to gotta carve out my own identity, right? I've got I've to find meaning for myself. And so I'm going to, you know, follow my heart or be true to myself or whatever nonsense, right? Or, or maybe you go to another ex- extreme. You're like, well, I just, I got to try hard. I got to do better. I'll keep all the rules. I'll, I'll get, unplug my phone. I'll throw out the map, right? But we do all these things. I, I can make peace for myself. And we end up, you know, we end up like the, the guy who's trying to pay off his gambling debts at the, blackjack table, right? It's just not a good idea. Not the psalmist. And not because he's passive or lazy, it's because he knows better. Just as Reed reminded us last week, if hope is real, it has to be greater than the causes of our hopelessness. And so God, so the psalmist asks God to do this for him. He asks God to do it for him. Verse four, restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. If you want peace, contentment, rest, satisfaction. There's only one place you can be found. And you cannot earn it or achieve it. You can't buy it or stumble upon it as if it's just for the, uh, the lucky few. Restore us, he says. Revive us. Show us your love. Grant us your salvation. And then, and then listen for it. For he will speak peace to his people. Like, even just think about that phrase. That, that has gripped me this week. He will speak peace. I mean, the God who spoke the universe into existence. Like, there was nothing, and then all of a sudden he spoke, and there was something, right? That, that he created solar systems and, and galaxies. That he, he spoke mountains and giraffes, ostriches and beaches, humans, like, just with a word, and it was. 
He speaks peace to his people. The, the one who, who wrote his words down for us, who shows us how best to live, who, who recorded his, his story for us so that we can enter this, this life. The one who became the living word, right? God with skin on, in the flesh, born in a manger, coming to rescue us. He speaks peace to his people. Even if all your money runs out, your kids rebel, your family falls apart, your health is a mess. He speaks peace to you. I love how the prophet Zephaniah said it. Patrick read it at the very start of the service this morning. Zephaniah writes, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. God himself, like, like a father singing his child to sleep. But, but it's more than that. He quiets you with his love and then it's also like this dance party, right? And God is singing loudly over us as children in celebration. He, he is the one who speaks peace to you. Only he can do it. Only he can quiet the chaos that's in here. The problem is I'm just not sure I, I'm listening or even know how to listen anymore, right? And this is where the psalmist, I, I think it's a little bit more, more practical. Because we need to wrestle with that question, okay, God speaks peace, but maybe that just sounds warm and fuzzy and says, great, good for those people. I don't hear it, right? It's not, it's not part of my experience, part of my, my life. So how do, I, how do I listen? And am I, am I listening well? Well, I want to offer three things for us as we continue looking at this psalm. I think it comes out here. Three things of, of how we listen. First, listening means silencing. Listening means silencing. Man, I'm convinced one of the reasons that we can't hear peace is just, it's because it's just too noisy. I mean, it's like, like the Grinch, right? One of my Christmas heroes. Kind of want to be that guy. Um, truthfully. Uh, he's right though, isn't he? It's all the noise, 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 noise. Drives him crazy and he wants to put it into it. But it's not just, it's not just the December noise for most of us. It's our, it's our phones, it's our TVs, it's our schedules, it's our habits. It's the expectations of others. It's the expectations on ourselves. It's the expectations we, we put on our kids. It's, it's all of these things that are loud and loud, like screaming at us from every angle. God doesn't shout peace. He speaks it. And I drown his voice with a million other things. Verse eight again. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak. Let me hear it. Turn it off. Put it away. Create margin. Allow for a little silence in your life. We kind of hate it, don't we? I mean, we kind of want it, and then when it's there, it's uncomfortable and weird, right? Like, when's the last time you've really ever been bored? Like, truly, just like, just sat there and alone with you with your thoughts, with that yeah, inside, right? We don't like it. In fact, it's one of the reasons why I love um, the 21 Pilots song, Car Radio. It's, it's, it's my favorite of all of theirs. Um, and it's, it's a story of like, his car gets stolen of its radio, right? And he has to drive around in silence. It's a very simple like thing, but the, like the words are just haunting. Let's watch the first part of it. 
ponder of something great My lungs will fill and then deflate They fill with fire, exhale desire I know it's dire, my time today I have these thoughts so often I ought To replace that slot with what I once bought Cause somebody stole my car radio And now I just sit in silence Sometimes quiet is violent I find it hard to hide it My pride is no longer inside It's on my sleeve, my skin will scream Reminding me of who I killed inside my dream I hate this car that I'm driving There's no hiding for me I'm forced to deal with what I feel There is no distraction to mask what is real I could pull the steering wheel I have these thoughts so often I ought To replace that slot with what I once bought Cause somebody stole my car radio And now I just sit in silence Oh, I love it. It's so haunting. And as the video continues, like he's got this mask on, he goes out in the, the middle of, of like a crowd at a concert and everybody's just quiet and standing there perfectly still. And I mean, it's sort of this like this parable of like how alone we are in the midst of everything, right? That we're, we're never alone. And yet we're, we're so lonely as a people. We, we don't, we don't know how to do it. We don't know how to quiet ourselves. In fact, there's this, all this new research on the damage we humans are doing to ourselves with our lack of silence. And I'm not, I'm not an anti-technology person, okay? Listen, I mean, I'm, you know, I've got my own issues. Um, but there's a lot of research that we're, we're kind of destroying the way that we can experience relationships and intimacy and empathy and conversation. I mean, Sherry Turkle, she's one of, the, one of the scholars. She writes, she says, we slip into thinking that always being connected is going to make us less lonely, but we are at risk because it is actually the reverse. If we are unable to be alone, we will be more lonely. And if we don't teach our children to be alone, they will only know how to be lonely. Oh. Man, I, just, I just feel it too deeply. I know it in my own life and my own experience. And, and she's specifically in, in this book, and I encourage you to take a look at it. She's analyzing the loss of conversation, of, of self-reflection, and even, even the art of boredom. But it's bigger than that. The God of the universe wants to speak peace to you. I don't know how to listen. I don't, I don't know if I know how to hear it anymore. The one who spoke, and it was, wants to speak peace to me. And I'm too busy for it, right? How do we regain that? Well, yeah, by silencing, right? Finding quiet, but I think with that solitude, do you know how to be alone? with yourself, like truly alone with nothing to do. Can you do that for a while? Just to listen, to reflect, to see what's going on actually inside you, not just around you, right? Because we love to focus there, but what's, what's in here? Are you able to be alone with God? Um, do you, do you take, a, take a day off? Sometimes we just need margin in our lives to do this. You take an actual day off weekly to be able to have a little bit of boredom in your life, actually. Boredom can be a good thing, can't it? And do we, you know, do we pray even in those spaces? Do we, do we quiet ourselves by, by looking at, at his word, the, God, the words that God has already spoken to us? Or, or even by memorizing. I mean, it's why this, this, uh, this Advent, we're, we're memorizing these, these songs together, right? Hopefully you picked up one of these last week. If not, they're at the doors on your way out. But just a couple of lines from each of these songs, each of these weeks that we're going to say, let's, as a church, let's commit, let's learn a new song, Right? Let's get something else stuck in our heads and, and memorize these. We've been working on, on the first two as a family so far. Uh, and it's just been good for us, good for me, um, just to lock these inside me, to, to remind myself, to memorize that God is speaking peace to me. It also means 
Are we quiet ourselves enough um, to be able to hear it and speak it to others? I'm convinced that's part of it, that we actually can be the voice of God speaking peace into each other's lives. I mean, we speak anger, plenty. Disappointment, fear. We love speaking fear, don't we? Disappointment, condemnation. Will you speak peace? Like, I need that. I need you to speak peace into my life. Your kids need it. Like, will I speak peace to them or fear and condemnation, right? Lack of approval. Do I speak peace? What about to your, to your neighbors, to the people around you? And will you hear it? Who are those people in your life? Listening means silencing. Okay, second of all, listening also means fearing. It means fearing, which probably sounds like way out of the blue. Peace, fearing, like how does that even work, right? But as the psalmist continues, you just can't miss that he links them up. And so I think we need to t- take that seriously. He says in verse, verse eight then, again, let me hear what God the Lord will speak for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. But <laughs> let them not turn back to folly. Like, but don't be idiots. That's, I mean, that's what he's saying. Like surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. Now, I know sometimes we think of fearing God, right? We think, well, does that mean God is angry? He's out to get us. Like, if I just screw up, he's ready to, like, pounce, you know, that kind of thing. That's not, that's not the idea in, in Scripture, which is why the psalmist can link the right kind of fear with peace. I mean, fearing God ultimately means, it means, like, respecting the boundaries that he's established, right? Um, I mean, if you try to play football or any sport outside the boundaries, you're just going to be frustrated, right? It's not going to work. But life, life is the same. That's how God designed it to, to, to work, that you and I, we have been created with boundaries. And the ultimate boundary is God is God and I am not. That's, that's like boundary number one, right? That we mess up most. God's God, I'm not. He's creator, I'm created. And therefore there's, there's a specific way in which I ought to respond to him as well as that I should listen to things that he said because he's created me for certain things. I mean, fearing God recognizes that he establishes the world to work in a certain way. And when we go outside of those, those parameters, we can't be surprised if things fall apart, right? And so, for example, he designed sex for marriage, and we ignore it. And then we wonder where intimacy and, and satisfaction have gone from our lives. Like he's designed us, created us to be generous, and then we wonder why our consumption is consuming us. We're created for relationships, and then like, oh, wow, this self-absorption, Right? This continual narcissism that I have in my life, it's just not working. It's leaving me hollow, right? Like, we shouldn't be surprised. There is no peace outside of his boundaries. Not because God is mean. Not because he's hoarding all this peace, you know. It's because he knows how we were created. He knows where peace flourishes best. And he's told us how to live in it. And we know that, don't we? We do the same thing as parents, don't we? No, you can't eat the whole bowl of candy right? Why? Because you'll throw up, right? Puke and peace, right? They don't, they don't work together. We do that all the time as parents. You see, you can't, you can't really break God's laws. We think we can, right? We can disobey them. We can't break them. No, 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 no. You can't, you can't, break, you can't break God's laws. I mean, think about like jumping off of a building. Like you can't break the law of gravity. Not really. You can crush yourself on the law of gravity, um, but you can't break it. The same thing, we, we break ourselves on the things that God has meant for our good, the ways that he's created us for the, the best flourishing. Fear God and no peace. 
Fear him, live within his boundaries, the way that he's created us to live and to flourish and know no peace. Let us not return to our folly. If you're constantly running from him, wanting to do things your own way, you know, figure it out on your own, ignore what he has to say, if that's, if that's your story, like, of course you're not going to hear peace, right? Why would you, like, you can't expect to hear it at that point. Disobedience and disrespect drown out his voice. Could it be that sin is clogging your ears? Listening means fearing. Lastly, lastly, listening means delighting. It means delighting. And I know, it's so weird, right? Fear and delight, they go, to, they go together for the psalmist. If we understand how God has created us to live, it's, it shouldn't surprise us that, that as the psalmist continues, like you cannot miss his joy as he's asking God to do these things in his behalf. I mean, listen to how he describes this piece when it comes. I mean, this is, this is just poetry. This is good poetry here, right? Verse 10, he writes, Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good. And he trusts in his God. He will speak peace to you, but you have to trust him for it. Have you? Are you? Like, are, are, are you longing to, to live the kind of life that he describes for us with the, the joy and peace? I mean, I know you want peace. I want it. Only he can speak it. Why not let him? Give your life to him. I mean, just try it. Like, confess your sins and let him take control. Like, just say, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you with my life and let's just see if, it, if it's different. See if he shows up. See if he begins to speak peace into your life. Because one of the things that the psalmist didn't know that we, that we know is that, that Jesus is the fulfillment of all those words. I mean, I love, I love the way that psalm ends, but Jesus, like, like that's him. It's about him. It's, he is the culmination of those things. For our God came. I mean, steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Our God came to this earth. Our God doesn't just speak peace from a distance. He came to speak it in person. And he did what it takes to be able to offer it to us, that he was born into this world. He knows how peaceless it is. He knows the turmoil that we experience because he lived it. He experienced it. He knows the pain and the heartache. Righteousness and peace kiss each other as he hung on the cross, suffering for my sins, offering me life and forgiveness, peace with a God I do not rightly fear both peace and righteousness there on the cross. And faithfulness springs up out of the ground as he himself rose victorious over sin and death and hell. And righteousness looks down at the sky from the sky as, as he now reigns on our behalf for our good and longing, promising to return to make all things right for us. Only he can speak peace to our troubled souls. Are we listening? Let's pray. God, we want to hear it. And not, not just hear it, but hear it in the same way in which you spoke the planets into being. We want you to create what we know is lacking in our world and in our lives. What I know is missing so often um, in my experience. 
God, I pray that we would have enough silence to be able to listen. God, that we would uh, respond to what you have spoken to us um, with fear appropriately and obedience. And God, I pray that we would delight knowing that we are loved and forgiven, that you welcome us in as sons and daughters. God, I, I pray that peace wouldn't simply be a nice thing that we put on our Christmas cards. And not, not even just what we long for for our world, although it certainly is. God, I pray that it would be a work that you do in our hearts and that you would do that work right now. Help us to listen. Listen. 